0: This is one of a special series of episodes, interviews with Mother Hilary Krupe, the Guardian of the Order of Julian of Norwich. So welcome to another special episode of Love Was His Meaning. I'm up at the Monastery of Our Lady of the Northwoods in White Lake, Wisconsin, and here with the Guardian of the Order, Mother Hilary. And... Today, uh, as we're in the middle of Lent, it seems like a really good time to talk about sin and Julian's ideas around sin. So, thank you for taking uh, time to to do this uh, this evening, Brother Hillary. My
1: pleasure. Ooh, sin. (laughs) Ooh, sin.
0: (laughs) So much fun. (laughs) So, um, uh, the first thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, Julian spends an awful lot of time talking about sin. This Mm -hmm. is a big issue for her, and uh, she has seems to have several different ways she talks about it. Um, one way that is a way that would have been familiar to um, medieval uh, people at the time would be talking about it being the worst thing that ever happened to humanity, which is a fairly common medieval theme,
2: mm-hmm. uh, but
0: she also talks about it uh, using a word that's been translated in a million different ways, which is, behovely, mm-hmm. that it's something that Seems to just happen to us as human beings, or even fitting to us as humans, depending on how you translate that word. So, how do you see Julian's conception of sin?
1: Well, that's a that's a great question, and um, I think to to make most sense of it, I want to actually go back to Saint Anselm, who was lived a, three centuries before Julian. Anyway, between um, in 1094, he wrote a treatise called cur Deus Homo or why why God became man. He wanted to explain the incarnation mm-hmm. basically. And um when he did that, he wrote a parable about a lord and a servant, or a lord and a slave. And um I just want to can I read it mm-hmm. to you? Sure part, because yeah. so this is this is 1098. This is St. Anselm his his version of this parable. He says, Suppose one should assign his slave a certain piece of work and should command him not to throw himself into a ditch, which he points out to him, and from which he could not extricate himself. And suppose that the slave, despising his master's command and warning, throws himself into the ditch before pointed out, so as to be utterly, utterly unable to accomplish the work assigned. think you that his inability will at all excuse him for not doing his appointed work. So that's Anselm's version of this parable. So along comes Julian, 300 years later, and Julian's going on and on about sin. Her biggest question is, what is God going to do about human sin and the fall of humanity? um because you're right it was the main concern um uh, largely um largely down to to St. Anselm actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um he wanted to explain in terms that people could understand in a feudal system mm-hmm. why Jesus had to come and die mm-hmm. for us so and here's the parable from Julian it, Julian's got this question about sin and this is her biggest question, and she's going on and on and on about it. And she's, she's just, she's actually frantic, you know, by a certain point in time during these revelations, because this is the one thing she wants to know is what God is going to do about sin, but she doesn't know in real time if she's going to get the answer. Is she going to die before the answer comes? Is she going to get another revelation from Jesus that is going to, is he going to tell her before? He wraps it all up, and you know, because she didn't know she was going to have sixteen revelations. You know, so anyway, so she's distraught. She's she's basically panicked, and she's, she's despairing about getting the answer to her question: "What about sin? What about sin?" And of course, Jesus gives her this parable, and the parable, according to Julian, it's a parable of the Lord and the servant. And the parable that's given to Julian says this: The Lord's I saw two persons in bodily form, that is to say, a Lord and a servant. The Lord sits solemnly in repose and in peace. The servant stands near before his Lord reverently, ready to do his Lord's will. The Lord looks upon his servant most lovingly and sweetly, and humbly he sends him to do a, to a certain place to do his will. The servant not only goes, but he suddenly leaps up and runs in great haste because of his love to do his Lord's will. And immediately he falls into a deep pit and receives very great injury. And so you can see these two parables, these two stories can't be any further apart. I mean, they can't, in conception about how the relationship between God and humanity mm-hmm. <clears throat> in Saint Anselm's depiction—it's—it's—it's it's, it's adversarial, it's judgmental, it's condemning. It starts off badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts off—it starts off bad even before the command is given. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, Julian's parable. The parable that she's given by Jesus is like, okay, take that Anselm. This is the real story, you know. Um, you know, here, here we're gonna, you know, three hundred later years later, Julian is given a story that's that's completely different. And so, suffice it to say, Julian was probably blown away by this because she was probably expecting something more like what Saint Anselm had depicted, because that was the general medieval view of of, of sin was. You know, the, the relationship between God and humanity was fundamentally adversarial.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, fundamentally, ain't no way this is going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, here's Jesus giving this picture to Julian, saying, no, no, the relationship between God and humanity is fundamentally loving and close and mutually respectful,
2: mm-hmm.
1: mutually loving, mm-hmm. mutually sweet. Um, so... That's just to
0: start off. And it's in that context. One of the things we may talk about, and another thing is she's got this language that she's drawing from, like, the French courtly love idea. Mm-hmm. And so, Anselm's is just this kind of straight power dynamic between the Lord and the servant, mm-hmm. and obedience is all about it julian is playing in this you know um this french courtly courteousness that, that kind of comes from it, the the saga and all the other things she's pulling that and saying no no the love between god and humanity is more like this it's mm-hmm. more like this great love story you know that would have been current to almost anybody was who, who could read at the time of, of these great romances and it's, it's more like that than it is the the terrible lord and the piteous servant
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly that's exactly it. And um, you know, three hundred years. <laughs> Do
0: you want to say anything about the where she starts talking about sin as being behovely
1: or being Yeah, this is this is her this is kind of a one in a series. Is mm-hmm. Julian, you know, this is her question from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Is you know, it's her question from the very beginning and it remains her question all the way up until this point when Jesus gives her the parable. And that's for you listeners that's 50 chapters.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: 50 chapters of 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 angst.
0: And it gets worse every chapter like you can hear her. he keeps answering her and she keeps saying but what about but what about but yeah. what about. <laughs> yeah. And so
1: by the chapter 49 she's com- chapter 50. Mm-hmm. She's 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 pretty completely freaked mm-hmm. because she she's not getting the answer she she feels she needs to hear mm-hmm. you know and Again, she doesn't know how long this conversation is going to last because she's mortally ill. Mm -hmm. Is she going to die before she gets the answer? Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Mm -hmm. So the pitch of this, the sine wave of this Mm -hmm. question is getting higher and higher and more acute and more acute as she goes on. And so um, back in uh, chapter 27, about halfway through this process, um, she asked this question, she said, "What well, What are you going to do about sin? Um, what What again? The same question. What are you going to do about sin? Um, how do you see us in our sin? How does How does God see us?"
0: It appears that Mother Hillary is now going to read from Barry Windiet's, um translation. I am. <laughs> I am.
1: To To preface this, she says, "I should have given up such thoughts." Mm-hmm. As she's, you know, she's recognizing that she's she's maundering about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, during this conversation and um, this ongoing conversation. And and she says she'd often wondered before this time, why, through the great foreseeing wisdom of God, the beginning of sin was not prevented. Mm-hmm. Why didn't God just... Why did God let this happen?
0: Yes, yeah, the whole question of theodicy and, and that. Yeah.
1: That's right. For then, it seemed to me, all would have been well, mm-hmm. you know, if this had whole, whole business had been prevented. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have given up such thoughts, yet I grieved and sorrowed over this unreasonably and without discretion. But Jesus, who in this vision informed me of everything needful to me, answered with these words and said, sin is befitting, but all shall be well and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Um, Windet's translation is befitting, which is another way, another, you know, in other translations this sin is behovely is inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's um uh, even necessary mm-hmm. um somehow
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it, it 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 can't be got away from and so um this was an answer, you know, Jesus says sin is well, it's like the bumper sticker. It mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. <laughs> it it it's it, in fact in another place, um you know, in another place, um he even says this. He says to Julian, "Do not be upset too much by the sin that you commit against your will, for in this passing life we are not asked to live entirely free of sin and blame." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Julian hears later that sin is inevitable, mm-hmm. just like he says, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 something that's going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I take it that that means that there's something else we need to be paying attention to besides mm-hmm. the fact of sin, the matter of sin, and the, the frequency of our sin.
0: And in some ways, if you think about like that in in her context, in her medieval context, that seems like that would be an insight that would be entirely con- contrary to what was being said in the culture around her, which, <laughs> which was sin has to be gotten rid of by all means, whether that's physical punishment, whether that's, you know, any any way that you can, you know, sin, you know, grieves the heart of God, sin um, mars the image of humanity, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear all that kind of stuff and it gets to the point where it sounds like it's something that if you were just a good enough person, you would avoid totally.
1: Right. And Mm -hmm. and Jesus is saying, you know, human perfectibility in this life is a mirage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Yes, do the best you can, mm-hmm. but it's it's just it's not it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. and that's a call to compassion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, compassion for oneself and compassion for one's fellows who are also committing committing mm-hmm. sin. Um, to put that into context, here's something that um, back to Saint Anselm. So, go go to go back to the the slave. So the slave is now completely unable to do the work assigned because he's thrown himself into the ditch, mm-hmm. despising his master, mm-hmm. and so he's com- completely unable to do this work. Which, in Saint Anselm's depiction, it's rendering you know to pay the debt he owes to God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and he he points this out. He points out that this. The fact that the the slave is now totally unable and incapacitated, unable Mm -hmm. to do his work and and pay the debt back. He says this this in no way absolves him from the command to carry out the work. Mm -hmm. So not only is he still bound to do the work, but he's unable to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He says this. He says, I'm quoting Anselm, man ought not to have this inability. And therefore, as long as he has it without atonement, it is his sin. And truly, such compassion on the part of God is wholly contrary to the divine justice, which allows nothing but punishment as the recompense of sin. Therefore, as God cannot be inconsistent with himself, his compassion cannot be of this nature.
0: <laughs> Putting a limitation on what God can do. No,
1: absolutely, no. yeah. yeah. Nothing like you know, limiting God. Um, <laughs> you know, it's completely determined. Mm-hmm. And yet, and here, just to just to give you the, the contrast, here's the Lord in the parable that's given to Julian. Uh-huh. The Lord sees the servant in the ditch and he's looking upon the servant with pity uh-huh. and not with blame, looking over the servant who's there in the ditch. Then says this gracious Lord in his meaning, behold, behold, my beloved servant, what harm and distress he has received in my service for my love. Yea, and because of his goodwill. Is it not reasonable that I reward him for his fright and his dread, his hurt and his wounds and all his woe? And not only this, but does it not fall to me to give a gift that is to him better and more honorable than his own health would have been? Otherwise, it seems to me I would be doing him no favor. Oh. So, you know, whereas in St. Anselm, the picture is completely constrained, completely mm-hmm. determined. You know, we're pretty much damned if we do and damned if we don't. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's really no way out of this box.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not only for us, but for God. Right. God is God in the box too. In the box too. God mm-hmm. is bound. You know, but this this picture that Jesus says, No, God is like this. You know, mm-hmm. this picture that that Julian so. gets is it completely blows the lid off any box ever. Mm-hmm. So sin is not the determining factor of a life or, the you know, the determining meaning of a life and, you know, escaping sin. Having said that, um, Julian does say what she understands of Jesus, that she says scourge, you know, sin is the worst scourge that could happen to a human being because um, sin is not nothing. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to, we're going to commit it. You know, in other place she says we're going to do nothing but sin. Mm-hmm. God is going to have mercy and we're going to do nothing but sin God is going to have mercy and we're going to do nothing but sin back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth, back and forth but the thing about sin is the reason it's such a scourge is because we, we fall short of God's glory mm-hmm. I mean, the it mars our it mars the image of God in mm-hmm. us and mm-hmm. so for a lover to not be able to present themselves to the beloved mm-hmm. you know, as as beautiful (laughs) or the you know and in fact George, george Macdonald, um the scottish writer you know he says um he says about about sin and about moral failure from god's perspective that god is so that we are so beloved to god that god will have us because we are beloved god will have us as beautiful as possible, as -hmm. as beautiful as, Mm -hmm. you know, God is going to have us, you know, completely and utterly beautiful for his own delight Mm -hmm. and for our delight in God. And therefore, God is going to work on us. Mm -hmm. That was in a a sermon called, um, oh, The Consuming Fire. The Consuming Fire. Yeah. So in a sermon uh, called The Consuming Fire, you know, um, George MacDonald says that the, the, the God as our lover, is going to burn out every bit of dross in us and mm-hmm. refine us completely so that we can be um, reflecting the image, his mm-hmm. image, and he can enjoy us completely. Mm-hmm. So that's another take on sin as a, as a scourge. So we sh- fall short of that that image. We fall short of glorifying our beloved mm-hmm. um, in that in that we sin. And so that's the pain of sin. Not that we're morally bad, Mm -hmm. or not that we we blew it again, but that it reflects badly on our lover. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Well, it strikes me that the difference between the two, uh, one is that in Anselm, it's all about the honor of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and all in the parable, it's all about the work of the servant, what can and can't be rendered. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Julian, it's all about the relationship with God. And it's all about that relationship rather than the work that's being rendered. I mean, God almost, there, there is that task that, that the Lord wants the servant to go do mm-hmm. uh, during the, um, for Julian. But it's almost like the Lord completely forgets the task the minute that the Lord sees that the servant is in pain. Because yeah. he's so overcome with love for the servant that the task no longer matters right now. And until the servant is relieved of their pain and given the gifts that she talks about
1: vastly different conception. And you're right, um, for Anselm, it was all about, you know, the honor of God and dishonoring mm-hmm. God and doing justice to that. It was an honor culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a, it was a shame-based, mm-hmm. honor, honor-based culture, and that was was everything.
0: It's, it's interesting to me. It, it seems like, I mean, medieval people thought of honor as being a, a force beyond, like it was a, a tangible force that just had to be dealt with. And in some ways, you know, the same kind of criticisms that people make about process theology of God being contained by the process. In medieval times, God was contained by honor. God, even God couldn't escape the system of honor that God had established.
1: That's right. Yeah? That's right. You know, and, and, you know, to do justice to that system was all, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so therefore you had this, this incredibly convoluted depiction of atonement. Mm -hmm. because it it has to be shoved into that into that box Mm -hmm. it has to
0: yeah uh, when we get to a little bit further along we should come back to that because the influence of anselm's original atonement theory becomes the basis for a penal substitutionary atonement which is still very much a thing in modern culture and causes a lot of theological damage these yes. days. So we should come back to that.
1: We'll come we'll come back to that. But um <laughs> so where are we going next?
0: Well, what do you have notes on? You have a lot of little notes. I have a lot of there.
1: I have a lot of little notes, but um <laughs> so we 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 went over you know, sin is both behovely that is that is inevitable, necessary, mm-hmm. um it's inescapable, um mm-hmm. uh, and also the worst thing that can happen. I mean this the worst scourge that can that a human being can endure is mm-hmm is enduring their own, you know, sin. Mm-hmm. their
0: own, And that's also different because she sees it as being a scourge for humanity mm-hmm. as opposed to being an affront to God. Yes. She sees it in an anthropological sense. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Right. And so you can see the emphasis is totally, totally other. The other thing about sin, because of our conversation with Jesus and what she hears from Jesus, she sees. It, she's. She's learning from Jesus to see it in terms of cure. It's something as a sickness, as a blindness, or a sickness, um, something that is is in need of of medical cure. Mm-hmm. It's taken out of a moral category,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's in a, to a medical category. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like you, you go to the you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. and you say, Doctor, it hurts when I do this. And no responsible doctor is going to look at you and say, well, then don't do that.
0: (laughs) Despite the old vaudeville joke, no. Right. You know,
1: the doctor is going to say, well, okay, let's see why it hurts you. Uh And this is the way that Julian, as Jesus is leading her through the vision, she's coming to this understanding. Um, Of course, after this, the point of this parable, Mm -hmm. you know, The next thirty-five chapters are her coming to terms with this with this parable and understanding that this is indeed the way that Jesus sees us in our sin, that it's a matter of cure Mm -hmm. and not a matter of of moral Mm -hmm. uh, retribution or recompense. Um, In fact, she says um, she talks about cure. She, sa- she says, yeah, back in, 80, in chapter 82, pretty far along, he says sin mm-hmm. is something that requires cure, not condemnation. She says about Jesus that he is our medicine, mm-hmm. that as as he's re- and that he will only reveal our sin to us by the light of his countenance, by mm-hmm. the light of his mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he will show us ourselves, the truth of ourselves, um, by the light of his mercy as we can take it in mm-hmm. and apprehend it. And um, he moderates the sight of our sin <laughs> to our ability to take it in and receive his merciful healing. Again, it's a completely different conception of what sin is and, and its effects that it mm-hmm. has on, on us. Oh, yeah, you had the question, how how sin the idea of sin interacts with the idea of original sin.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And upward, upward Yeah, coming upward. from
0: augustine and yeah
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and um interestingly julian doesn't doesn't put her finger on you know or actually jesus when he shows Julian the parable he doesn't give her a reason he doesn't mm-hmm. you know this is why you ate mm-hmm. you know you know Eve ate the apple and gave it to Adam and he ate it mm-hmm. they disobeyed and you know blah 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 he doesn't name a specific reason it just mm-hmm. happened it just know? happened it just it just Mm-hmm. Here it was, and then the, the servant ran to do his lord's will and <laughs> fell in a ditch. And he he doesn't go into detail, so evidently that is not really terribly important.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think she's very practical in the fact that it's like you know, and uh, you've got Augustine and Anselm kind of just obsessed about how originally did sin come about, and how is it it's transmitted through sexuality and then through childbirth, and you know, like all this really intense stuff about how we got where we are. Yeah. And Julian's just like, that doesn't really matter. We are where we are. She's she's a woman. (laughs) There you go. I mean, you really are seeing the difference between, like, Traditionally masculine and feminine ways, you know, talking in traditional gender roles, ways of thinking about the world.
1: Yeah. And then Julian is, is in, intensely practical in this. And actually, you know, Jesus is intensely practical mm-hmm. being the, the ultimate mother, mm-hmm. you know, Oh Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, our mother, you know, he, he is, you know, he says, well, here we are in this mess. Mm-hmm. You know, however we got this way, it's beside the point, mm-hmm. you know, we are in this mess. And here's here's the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in this ditch. However we got there, here we are. But as far as our original sin, so there's this there's this they, the medieval idea and actually the modern idea often mm-hmm. is is that you know the incarnation happened as a rescue mission.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. the incarnation was, was something that it was plan B
2: mm-hmm.
1: or plan C, you know, mm-hmm. that 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 here we we disobeyed God and and we, we fell and um, we need rescuing and so God had to send Jesus to clean up the mess and
0: yeah, Jesus SEAL Team Alpha sent in to mess up some the operation that's gone wrong yeah, yeah.
1: but there's another voice and there's another voice in medieval thought, theology that says it says no no the in- humanity is so beloved by God and so good. The creation is so good that the incarnation would have happened mm. even had we not sinned, mm. even had there been no fall.
2: Mm.
1: You know, God would have become incarnate in Jesus just to enjoy the fullness, mm. just to, just to be the crown of creation as he is. Mm. You know, he's the beginning and the end, mm. the crown of humanity that Julian calls him the pattern of humanity. Mm-hmm. He's the pattern on which we were made in that medieval, that other strain of medieval theology for instance John Duns Scotus the Franciscan who said as Julian did he's he said that it, it, human nature and and the second person of the trinity are one mm-hmm. in heaven
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know almost the same mm-hmm. words as Julian yep. you know Julian's understanding that human nature has always been bound to the second person of the trinity there's never been a time when you know human nature wasn't part of mm-hmm. Of, of the Godhead. This, this this is intentional. The best part about this is with regard to the parable. She says, because of the union, the true union, this is Julian, is explicating the parable. She says, when Adam fell, God's son fell. Because of the true union which was made in heaven, God's son could not be separated from Adam. For by Adam I understand all men... Adam fell from life to death into the pit of this miserable world and after that into hell. God's son fell with Adam into the pit of the womb of the maiden who was the fairest daughter of Adam and that in order to obtain for Adam exemption from guilt in heaven and on earth and he mightily fetched Adam out of hell. Mm. So that's like the last word on on that. I mean that just is complete completely glorious. You know, there's absolutely an unbreakable bond between humanity and the Godhead.
0: Mm-hmm. In, there's, in a, this, there's a part of us that is wanted to God that will never be broken, no right. matter the depths of sin.
2: That's right. Yeah. That's right.
0: Let's talk about um what Julian can say to us in modern theological terms. So I mean I think I'll bring forward part of that discussion is yeah. You know, I grew up in a part of the South that was very heavily influenced by evangelical culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of, especially, you know, one of the fundamentals of the fundamentalist movement is set by the various conferences that happened back in the early part of the 20th century, 21st century, is that penal substitutionary atonement is the only acceptable atonement theory. Mm -hmm. Whereas Catholic, small-c Catholic Theology embraces a wide variety of different speculation on exactly what atonement theory is and how it is that God brought about salvation of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this this particular part of evangelicalism certainly is is completely attached to penal substitutionary atonement, Mm -hmm. which that's not exactly what Anselm comes up with it, but it's a development out of Anselm. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem with that is For people who are listening to Anselm in his context, it makes sense to them Mm -hmm. because they live in a feudal culture where they believe that honor is this indelible thing that can't be changed, is a a moral law of the universe. Mm -hmm. But in a modern sense, it begins to sound like God is an abusive parent, which is not the way a medieval person would have heard Anselm. But with that, we no longer have this concept of Honor as a external force Mm -hmm. in our lives. So at the time, Julian is kind of stalking it to Anselm at least in one way. You know what? How do you think that Julian uh, Julian's concept of sin can be helpful to us as modern Christians in the twenty first century?
1: I think in the fundamentalist view, and in a more evangelical way of. I don't want to offend people by Mm -hmm. saying this, but, um, you know, in the, you know, in the, in the looking at it, substitutionary atonement, how to say this, um, well, there's just, there's just a boatload of problems with it. Mm -hmm. For lots of reasons, there's just a, you know, it does horrible things to, you know, it sets God against God.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it, it it pits the three persons of the Trinity against themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, it breaks, you know, it breaks that indissoluble. you know, how do you, how do you, how do you pit the three persons of the Trinity? It makes no theological sense whatsoever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's a conception that, you know, um, it, going along with the, the scripture, you know, for it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment, mm-hmm. um, there is a a conception that, you know, sin is so ultimate and so final um that if you don't take the if you don't take the the offer of atonement handed to you by Jesus on the cross, that you're gonna go to hell forever and ever. Amen. I mean mm-hmm. there's no eternity is eternity. Mm-hmm. I mean it's eternal conscious torment forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And, and and there's no there's just a black and white totally binary. It's either you accept Jesus as your savior you go to hell
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, forever, and Julian understands sin as actually, I would say, in a more developmental sense. Mm-hmm. She understands it as we as we talked about um, as a thing in need of cure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a imperfection in in humanity that can be cured, mm-hmm. and and as Julian talks about how Jesus deals with us in our sin how jesus reveals ourself to us Mm -hmm. she speaks of it in the parlance of human development Mm -hmm. that jesus is loving us into being Mm -hmm. as he's revealing us to ourselves all the parts of us our good parts and our sinful parts Mm -hmm. and at one point julian says you cannot know god fully until you know yourself fully Mm-hmm. You cannot know yourself fully until you know God fully. So it's a mutually reinforcing process as Jesus reveals himself to us and reveals us to us that we're we're growing up. When she's talking about Jesus as mother, she talks about how a child grows up and how a mother assists the development of her child mm-hmm. and uh, growth and development, and so as a as a child grows, a mother changes her methods, but not her love, and so that to me is an explicitly saying that sin is partly a developmental issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're being slowly and slowly loved into being as whole human beings, mm-hmm. as whole healthy, holy human beings in the image of Jesus. That image is being restored in us slowly, by slowly, by slowly, mm-hmm. um, as we go. It's not going to finish in this life. Human self-perfectibility again is a mirage. It's mm-hmm. it's not going to happen, um, but it's it's going to happen as we submit ourselves to the love of Jesus as He reveals Himself to us and reveals ourselves to us. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a developmental process. Mm-hmm. It's not a mor- not principally a moral. Process, and I think that is an answer to that binary three strikes you're out mm-hmm. you know that under the penal understanding of you know the, the condemnatory judicial mm-hmm. understanding of of sin and judgment it's it's much more organic mm-hmm. it's much more about about growing up into what one or what one is in the eyes of God mm-hmm. you know uh, Julian you know says. For to be like our Lord fully is our salvation, mm-hmm. and so Jesus is bringing us into his likeness as as we go as we again submit to his to his love and to his ministrations. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other category. It's not in the same box at all mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all yeah. completely other this is a process that has compassion I mean mm-hmm. this is a process by which you know we can have compassion on ourselves We're we can have compassion on others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not fundamentally condemnatory. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and in a world, I mean, our, our modern world is one that is increasingly divided into black and white, digital ones and zeros, you know, that you're either one one state or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you're one one political party or another, you're in or you're out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the, that compassion that comes out of Julian, I think, is something that could be very helpful in our Christian understanding.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it certainly interfaces um, well with ideas out of uh, the tikkun olam from the Jewish side, the healing of the world, mm-hmm. or with the ideas from Buddhism about our compassion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it, it's much more holistic.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's holistic. And it, it's, it's life on a gradient. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, the thing is, the whole of humanity is headed there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
1: it's mm-hmm. not like we have a choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, you can hold your breath as long as you can try to hold your breath mm-hmm. and say, you know, I don't I don't want this love that's being, you know, thrown at me. Right. You know, 24-7, <laughs> and, you know, that I'm swimming in. You can say you don't want it. That's, you know, it's up to you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, how long can you hold your breath? And so it's much more, I like the word you used, holistic. It's much more holistic. It's much more Everybody is somewhere on that, this is going to sound lame, on the spectrum.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the salvation spectrum.
1: Yeah. I mean, everybody <laughs> is somewhere on that, you know, gradient. And it's a matter of increasing consciousness.
0: It's a matter so, of moving us along on the gradient rather than making a, a one or a zero choice. That's that's yeah. right.
1: That's right. To think about the, the possibility that there's really only one destination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. You know that the fire in the heart of God is love. Mm-hmm. If if you can apprehend it as such, mm-hmm. if you can't apprehend it as such, is that hell?
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: But, you know, is that is that the the as George MacDonald was saying that the you know the consuming fire that is so ardently loving mm-hmm. that is going to have us pure and holy. You know that would that would seem to imply that there's really only one destination. Mm-hmm.
0: Or is is hell just the, the idea of the person refusing finally to that's turn right. around and embrace the love that God is, co- is constantly trying to embrace that, them with?
1: That's right. I can't remember who, who said this. What, yeah. There was a 20th century theologian, um, the door to hell locks on the inside.
0: Yeah, I've heard that before. I yeah. Can't
1: remember. yeah, I can't remember who it was. I'll
0: look it up and put it in. The 20th century theologian we're trying to cite is indeed C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain.
1: You know, how is that refusal to submit to love? You know, how is that to steal oneself off from that love? And so it's apprehended as wrath.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes our sins yeah. become so much a part of who we are mm-hmm. that they become a part of our being that we can't imagine getting rid of. Mm-hmm. And so the threat, the the love of God, that burning fire of God, which wants to, to uh, as the hymns say, thy that dross to consume, thy yeah. gold to refine, yeah. you know, that that dross becomes such a sense, part of who we believe that we are, that the threat to take that away by removing that dross yes. feels like an assault on our persons. Yes. We can't yes. conceive what, who we will be without the dross. Right, you right. Know? So it could be very frightening to the idea that that part of ourselves, for for good or for evil, whether we put it into ourselves, is is going to go away. And so I, you know, that's where the whole question of like, eventually, does God's consuming fire consume us against our our will? You know, in in the eternity, or Mm -hmm. or do we end up? Is there a point where free will is always honored, and a person can turn themselves away from that? All burning fire for all eternity.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. That's a
0: good a, philosophical that's question. Yeah, it's a great
1: philosophical question. <laughs> I mean,
0: but,
1: you know, there's, there's, there's nothing outside of, of God. Uh-huh. You know, God is, uh-huh. you know, there's nothing, there's no time, there's no being, there's no space, there's nothing that's mm-hmm. not inside of God. And so, you know, basically, God's got all the time in the
0: world. maybe if we like, go back to Julian, you know, Julian's basically, she's not worried about the, the origins of original sin. She's really not worried. Like, she doesn't spend a lot of time talking about heaven and hell. She spends, okay. it's all about increasing your relationship with God now, of, of getting, of work, starting to work through that process now and understanding what's going on as opposed to the philosophical question of what happens eventually to us in, in eternity it doesn't seem to be the top priority for her either.
1: Right. And, and what Jesus is saying, you know, to Julian, you know, he says, sin is inevitable. Sin is beholden. But all shall be well. Mm-hmm. All shall be well. I shall make all things well. Mm-hmm. I can make all things well. I will make all things well. You know, that's taken care of.
2: Yeah. Stop you know, worrying so, about it. Yeah.
1: Don't, <laughs> you know, don't. What can you do here and now mm-hmm. to love me better? Which was really the origin of Julian's desire. You mm-hmm. know, that's what got her started on this whole this whole being able to receive this this vision that she eventually had was, you know, her initial request is she wanted to know how to love God better mm-hmm. and how to love her fellow Christians better. And so that's really the point of Julian's emphasis is, is okay, here we are. Now what do we do? Now you know, as, you know, God is got us firmly in hand, what do we do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's... That's our concern, um, not either a how we got here or b you know where we're going. To
0: exactly where up. we're going, because every time she asks specifically what's going to happen, he says no, you don't get that right now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, you basically you don't need to know that right now. Yeah. You know, I'll 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 give you that when when it's time. It you know, more? when it when you need to know that, huh? it's definitely on a need to know basis, <laughs> and. And we don't
0: and we don't need to know yet that's what yeah.
1: says no so and she you know, and she subsides, you know she completely you know she gets really curious and then okay, well, mm-hmm. I guess I don't need to know that, and you know she gets on with with things um i had the the thought that you know present human life is incredibly competitive
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's it's a zero sum game mm-hmm. if you get it if you get x, I don't get any mm-hmm. you know if there's not enough if you know, my perfectibility comes at your expense,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or your perfectibility—a
0: I mean, scarcity, a
1: scarcity yeah—and yeah. and this blows that out of the water. Yeah, I mean this this conception of of coming to be fully human, or what it is to be saved, or what it is to to go to heaven, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, you know what Jesus is, what God's intentions are for us. It's completely taken out of that. Realm of competitive realm. the competitive realm, A competitive realm where mm-hmm. you know it's it's a zero sum proposition. So again, we there is room for compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, both for ourselves and for you know each other. It's it's not principally behavioral or moral.
0: It's all about God's love.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So but if it ain't about love, it ain't about God. as Michael Kirby says Yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> there you go. And you know, hope is the key word. You mm-hmm. know, there's you there's know, hope. There's hope, you know, not just
0: for me, but for everybody. For
1: everybody, yeah. There's enough to
0: go around. Plenty to go around.
1: And it's not a mirage. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, hope is certain.
0: In a message Hillary sent me after the interview, she said she should have mentioned regarding the podcast, someone might say, well, under Julian's conception of sin and judgment, someone's going to be getting away with something. Are not there any consequences for things done to others' harm, as T.S. Eliot says? Certainly there are. As God has made each one, so God knows each one, knows every place and manner in which each of us are broken, and will deal with the need and manner of that healing in this life if we are willing, or later in some mysterious way if we are not. And if we were not broken in some way, why would we sin? But love and complete restoration of God's image in each one is the governing goal. No one gets off. All the places of pain of all kinds will be revealed and touched and healed and made right again. Well thank you, Mother Hillary, for sitting down with me again and, and doing this Lenten um, section on sin, which seemed very uh to Lent. So <laughs> <laughs> <That> Bada <about> being... <laughs> uh, welcome.
1: Well.
0: Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available once a week on Thursday. The text of Julian's revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.